Mark chapter 4, as we deal with the topic of the storm is passing, part 2. I'll begin reading from the New King James Version in verse 35. And the Bible says, on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Does anybody need a great calm right now? But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. So let's have the sense that the wind and the sea had to obey Jesus. And let's have the same sense to obey him ourselves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are in control of all things. And we thank you that you gave us the grace to understand who you are. That salvation appeared to us. The grace of God was manifested to us. And we thank you, Lord, that we know who you are. And we thank you and we worship you. We we do not have to wait for eternity to bow our knees to acknowledge your lordship and to use our tongues to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. We thank you that we know that now. And we pray for people who do not know you as Lord that before they die, they would be able to bow the knees of their heart, if not their physical knees, and confess that Jesus is Lord and that they would be saved from their sins. Help us with our relatives, our friends, our classmates who don't know Jesus. May they not only hear the gospel from us, but Lord, may they see the gospel through us. Thank you for this time today. Use the word to encourage our hearts as you always do. Speak, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're going to do today. We give you the glory in advance, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 40 says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And I would say that it is safe to say that Jesus expected a different kind of response from his disciples during that storm than the one they gave him. He expected a different kind of response. 
for they were full of fear. They were panicking. They were afraid, sore afraid. And so when he gets up and he deals with the elements, with the wind, and even the spirit behind the wind, he then deals with the raging rapids that is going on in their souls. Because as he speaks peace to the elements, he then has to turn around and speak peace to his leaders to his followers who will be leaders. Because there was something going on inside of them that also needed to be calmed. But make no mistake about it, when he awakened from his sleep, he did not expect to find his guys struggling in that storm. He expected them to react differently because of all that he had already invested in them. And he expected them to show a different kind of response and demeanor in that storm. And I'm sorry to say that I'm not much different than the disciples. I've been knowing Jesus since 1987. I've been in my fair number of storms throughout my life. And unfortunately, I still have a tendency to react in a way that shows that I'm not full of faith. Uh, I tend to be many times more full of fear in various financial storms and relational storms. And when you got a storm with your car and you say, not now, are you serious? That my response, when I get certain news, it, it doesn't always indicate that I have really been spending time with the one who can rest during a storm. And the one who is not panicking when the storm, you would think I would have learned a few things. And that was Jesus' admonition to the disciples. I I expected something different out of you. Jesus expected for them to be full of faith. Instead, they were full of fear. We cannot, listen to this, be full of fear and full of faith at the same time. You cannot, I cannot be full of fear and full of faith at the same time because one will dominate the other. And unfortunately, and even typically, fear tends to dominate in my life rather than faith. But I thank God for grace because grace is a great comeback. It it allows you to be able to have a do-over again. So that although you may have succumbed momentarily to a spirit of fear, a spirit of faith through grace comes back and allows you to then consume that thing that was consuming you in that moment. But God does not want us to be filled with fear. He wants us to be filled with faith. Oh my, Forrest Gump, the great theologian, (laughs) once said that life is like a box of chocolate. I got some help in here. You never know what you're going to get. So that was life according to Forrest Gump. But I say unto you that life is like a game called Pac-Man or Mrs. Pac-Man. Oh, the young people don't understand anything that I just said. But some of us grew up in an era when you didn't have video games on your phone. You had to go to the mall or to Pizza Hut to play video games. 
They'd have the Miss Pac-Man right there or they'd have the tabletop Pac-Man version and you put your quarter in and and you played and you did your thing. And the reason why life is like Pac-Man or Miss Pac-Man is because the whole game, you spend your time chasing and getting chased. The whole game. You're running away from these ghosts that's trying to gobble you up. But if you can just get to one of those power pellets, oh, can I get a witness here? If you can just get to a power pellet, and I forget the net noise that it makes, it's like, and so you know you got enough power to now start doing some chasing of the things that was chasing you. And now they start running, and you after them now, and then you eat them, it's like, you eat another one, you eat another one, and then oh wow, your power starts going down. And when your power starts going down, now they start chasing you, and you got to make it to the power source. And I'm here to say that that's really how life can be for a Christian. You spend your time getting chased by various things of life, and, and, and they want to take you down. You know, you got three lives in the game, and they want to take you down. But if you could just get to some power, if you could just get a little taste of power, you can then turn around and start chasing stuff that was chasing you. Because you've got to consume the thing that's trying to consume you. Your faith will consume fear or fear will consume your faith. God wants us to be full of faith, but Satan wants us to be full of fear. So as we look at the episode in Mark 4 where Jesus was teaching them on the water during a storm, a great storm, Let's compare what happens when we are full of fear versus what can happen when we are full of faith. So let's move through this real quickly. When we are full of fear, which by the way, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. It did not come from God. And so if it didn't come from God and it's of the spiritual realm, where did it come from? It came or comes from Satan. What does come from God, according to 2 Timothy 1.7, is love and a sound mind. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he gave us love and a sound mind. And so this spirit of fear, this spirit of timidity, it comes from Satan. And for these guys, when this windstorm came against them, they began to, number one, show their fear by panicking. They panicked. Last week, we said that as the boat was filling, the disciples started illing. They started panicking. They were being ruled by what they saw. The natural elements are real. But the Bible tells us as Christians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says that we do not look solely at what is seen, for what is seen is temporary. Rather, we look at what is unseen, for what is unseen is eternal. So we need to look beyond what is seen because what you see is not all there is. But too often we let what is seen dominate and dictate over us, producing fear and panic. But what we see is not all there is. There's an invisible realm, a spiritual realm that has more authority. As a matter of fact, what goes on there has bearings on what goes on here. 
And if we don't understand that, we will try to fight, and it will be a foolish fight of fighting spiritual warfare in the flesh. And we'll be defeated. But what you see is not all there is. Um, A lot of folks were struggling with the new whiz that came out not long ago with Queen Latifah's Oz and all that. They were struggling, not knowing that there was already a black whiz that came out in the 70s. A lot of white folks were like, why are they doing, what are they doing, taking the whiz? And, no, you late. You're late. There was already a whiz with Stephanie Mills. We already did that. And then they had the nerve to make a movie with Diana Ross with the short fro and Michael as the scarecrow. You, you late. So then they came with this other new one, you know. But, man, no matter how much I love the whiz and the whiz movie and even the new production, I still love the old one with all white people in it. I, that's my favorite one. Oh, man. Because there's some spiritual illustrations in that movie. Like, for instance, when they go see the Oz, they are terrified, especially the lion. He's the, he's the scaredy cat out of all of them. And so when they go and they walk into the Emerald City and they go in behind the doors and and that image comes up on the screen and the great and powerful Oz has spoken. (laughs) And they're struggling, they're shaking. But the only one that wasn't afraid, Lord have mercy, was Toto. (laughs) Toto wasn't afraid. Toto knew that what? Was Toto a boy or a girl? boy. Toto knew that what he saw was not all that there was. Toto went behind the curtain and pulled the curtain back to expose the man when the machine doing little old man projecting this great awesome image but Toto pulled the curtain back to see what was behind the threat. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, when it describes how Lucifer fell from heaven, the Bible says that in eternity, we're going to look at him and say, is this the one that terrorized the nations? Are you serious? Him the way he looks? Well, we look at him as the Oz and we see the smoke and the fire. But compared to God, he's nothing. And we've got to learn how to pull the sheets back, pull the curtains back and see a defeated foe. Man, when I go through a storm, Lord Jesus, teach me how to be full of faith, full of faith. You see, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, that he gives us the gift of faith. Faith is a gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says that by the same spirit of faith, we're going to speak. And in that context, it talks about how Jesus defeated death. And how by the same spirit of faith that he defeated death, we speak. Because I got news for you. The spirit of fear is going to speak and the spirit of faith is going to speak. And the spirit of fear comes from the enemy, but the spirit of faith comes from God. It does not originate with us or in us. It is a gift from God that we are able through the strength of God to exercise. And so when I'm full of faith, I won't be full of panic. No, I'm going to be full of peace. When I've got faith, I have peace. Just like Jesus, when he was down there sleeping during the storm. Some of us get our best sleep during the storm. Can I get a witness? 
but that storm ain't on no open boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. We get up saying, what is going on? But Jesus, who was so tired from preaching, was asleep during a rough and rambunctious storm. And his sleep was a picture of peace. He was resting because he knew whose times his hands were in. And nothing was going to happen to him without God's divine approval. Different times when people tried to kill Jesus, the Bible says he just passed right through him. It wasn't his time. And he wasn't going to go before his time. And so he was always aware of the control of the Father, of the sovereignty of God, and even of the power that he possessed. And so what the disciples should have been doing, that as the boat was filling, they started illing. They should have looked over at Jesus because he was chilling. And if he's chilling, I need to stop illing. Because Jesus was saying, like, watch me, watch me, watch me. I am chilling. I'm resting. Because there's no panic in God. We're just saying nothing is impossible for our God. There's no panic in our God. So why should there be panic in us? So when this spirit of faith visits us, we should be able to respond differently in trials. Isaiah 26, 3 says, he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord. So when my mind is not on the Lord and I'm looking more at the elements than at him, then I am going to panic. But secondly, when I'm full of fear, I'm going to possess bad theology. Lord, don't you care? That's bad theology. Because if Satan can get us to think that God doesn't care or God doesn't know or God doesn't see, then he's defeated us. But when you are full of faith, you possess good theology and you know that God does care, God does know, and God does see. And more than that, God is in control. In the book of Job, and I love how Nicole puts this in the song of the Redeemer, that, that he tells the waters how far it can come and no further. So this is that God that we know and that we worship and that no sparrow falls from the sky without his divine permission and approval. And he knows every hair that's on our head. He knows what we have need of before we ask. And so we need to have good theology of our good God, the most high. First Peter chapter five, verse seven says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. I want to tell somebody today who's believed the lie that God does not care for you. I want to say he does care for you. And the reason why you know he cares for you is because you're still alive and with the living there is hope he cares for you he woke you up today and he brought you to the house of God to hear about his love one more time because he doesn't want anything overwhelming you he doesn't want anything taking control of you except for him so we got to speak to that bad theology thirdly when we're full of fear we're going to speak death don't you care we are perishing. Jesus, we dying up in here. Don't you know? Jesus, we are about to pass away. But when you're full of faith, you speak life with your tongue. Hmm. Proverbs 18, 21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And sometimes when we get hit, when, when, when we're in a storm, it's so easy to curse than it is to bless. It's so easy to ask, Why? Rather than saying, why not? But we got to learn how to speak life because so often the things that come out of our mouths set the trajectory by which our lives will follow. So if we speak death, don't be surprised if deathly things keep happening to you. 
But if you can speak life and bless the Lord at all times, then his praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you can speak life. If you could be like those dummies I saw in the mall the other day. They had these dummies in the mall, these punching bags. And I love these little punching bags because no matter how hard you hit them, they will not stay down. When you hit them, they go this way and then they come right back up. And the reason why they come back up is because there's something in its base that allows it to right itself no matter how much it's been knocked down or thrown around. And when you have good theology, you know that no matter what happens to you in life, you may get knocked down, but you won't stay down because the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead is alive in me. And it's time for me to claim who I am and whose I am when I'm in the middle of a storm. And that's what he's expecting of all of us. Oh, when you're full of fear, not only do you panic and you possess bad theology and you speak death, but you also forget the promises of God. If the devil can get us to forget what God said. And I love how when Jesus was dealing with Satan and Satan came against him in the wilderness, Jesus dealt with him according to the word of God. And that's an indicator for us on how we're to deal with the enemy because he is a liar and the father of lies. So we don't need to go against the enemy dealing with our feelings and our emotions. They are important and they are a part of us. But we need to understand that the word of God is yea and amen and settled in heaven. And it is like a kryptonite to the enemy. It causes him to shrink and go away. The truth, the light of God. And when Jesus confronted the enemy, he quoted and relied upon the word of God. He didn't forget the promises when Satan tried to make him turn stones into bread. No, he remembered what Deuteronomy said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so that's how we engage battle. But if you forget what God has said or you don't know what God has said because you don't spend time with him in his word, you'll forget the promises. Now watch this. Look at verse 37. It says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. And some of us focus our lives on verse 37 on how bad the storm is. Every time we talk, is about how bad the storm is, but we forget verse 35. Go back to verse 35 when Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. You see, if you're going through verse 37, but you've forgotten verse 35, you're going to struggle and be stuck in verse 37. Don't let Mark 4.37 make you forget Mark 4.35. Because when you remember the promises of God, watch this. Mark 4.35, which is, let us cross over to the other side and Jesus does not lie. You then roll up on Mark 5.1. Then they came to the other side. You see, Mark 4.35 eventually becomes Mark 5.1 and Mark 4.37 can't stop it. It went right over your head. It was just too much. Get the tape. Get the rewind. 
Because he tells them on shore, let's go to the other side. But he does not tell them a storm of storms is coming because had they known that, they would not have gotten the boat. He knows them and he knows us. He's got to teach us about faith on the water. So he tells them, let's go to the other side. But he doesn't tell them about verse 37. But when verse 37 comes, it freaks them out. But even their poor response does not stop his divine will from getting them into chapter 5, verse 1. So I'm here to tell you that he who began a good work in you is faithful to come completed till the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But I want to ride with you a little easier where every week I'm not panicking because of the storm. I want you to look at me and say, ah, I have not seen faith in Chris like this in a long time. Praise God. He's not panicking during the storm or forgetting my promises. But then finally, when you're full of fear in the storm, you will miss the purpose of the storm. It'd just be a lot of wasted time because you've been complaining the whole time. You've been like, woe is me. Why me? Why is this happening to me? You miss the purpose of the storm. But when you're full of faith, you know the purpose of the storm. James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says, count it all joy. When you encounter various trials and temptation, knowing that. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance or patience have its perfect work that you may be entire and complete, lacking nothing. God is after making us stronger. So the purpose of the storm, the things that come against us, that resist us, God is trying to build spiritual muscles in us by allowing us to see how great his muscles are as our great defender and strong tower. He's trying to give us perseverance. And he gives us perseverance through a test, through a storm, through a trial. So when you're going through something, even though it don't feel good, you can say, God, I know you're up to something because you're trying to make me stronger. And I thank you for anything that causes me to depend on you, to look to you and rely on you. So even though this thing hurts, I want to say thank you for it because I'm not happy about it, but I got joy because I know you up to something. Joy is first a focus that leads to right feelings. Happiness is feelings that they may not get around to a focus. So he wants me to have joy in the storm. He wants me to get stronger. I got to know the purpose of it. All right, pastor, you said those cats were full of fear. We should be full of faith. We should have peace, good theology. We should speak life. We should remember the promises of God. We should know the purpose of the storm. But before you take your seat, pastor, can, can you tell me how we can get full of faith? Well, number one, it's a gift from God. It comes from the spirit of God. We get full of faith by, number one, just getting full of the word. Because Romans 10, 17 says that you need faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the word of Christ. So if you want to build your faith up, build your Bible reading up. If the only time you read the Bible is when you get in trouble, that may explain what some of the problem is. Now, God will take that, but there's so much more for all of us. Or if a preacher only reads the Bible when he or she is about to preach, that's not enough. Oh, I'm learning that God wants me to be the sermon before I ever preach the sermon. When Joshua was about to go into the promised land, God didn't tell him, now, this is what you need, man. You need some bigger swords, some bigger axes, some bigger shields. I need your guys to work on all these kind of defense maneuvers and tactics No, that's not what he told Joshua before they had to go into the promised land to fight a physical battle. He didn't give him physical weaponry and advice. 
he told him in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night so that the way you go can be successful. So he tells this commander, this general, this fighter, get into the Bible and let the Bible get into you. Because that's the only way you're going to deal with the fear that comes from the giants in the land. That's the only way you're going to come against the physical enemy who's really backed up by a spiritual enemy coming against Israel is if you get into this book. Ketra Robinson, one of our own, said, God's voice is louder the more quiet time we spend with him. Listen. When God has spoken to me, it really don't matter what anybody else has got to say who's against me. Because every tongue that rises up in condemnation, he is able to silence when he gives me a word. When the liar comes in, God lifts up a standard. Once God puts a word in my spirit for my family, it doesn't matter what kind of obstacles we face. If God says go this way based on revelation from the word, we are going that way. But when I'm not in the word, when I'm not meditating on scripture, when I'm not memorizing scripture, I am weak like a noodle. I go this way and I go that way. But oh, when I get the word in my spirit, oh my God, when I get the word in my spirit. But he speaks loudest the more quiet time I spend with him. So don't let your only time in the word be when you listen to a preacher preach. You have an anointing from God that can teach you stuff that no preacher on television or CD or in church can ever teach you. Don't rob yourself of spending time with God. Get full of the word, but then get full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the gift of faith. Galatians 5.22 says that the fruit of the Spirit, and this is not something that can be conjured up by man. This is something that must be grown and born by God. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy because I don't have love. He's got to give me love. He's got to grow love in me and work love through me. It's not Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. He is divine, and as I abide in him, he abides in me, and all this stuff just starts popping out of my life from him and because of him. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, being full of faith. It comes from God. So I got to get full of the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? Through prayer, through prayer. Acts 4.31 says that when the believers got together and they prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the whole building shook. So you can get filled with God's Spirit when you pray. Just like last night when I called my mother, I want to call her Evangelist Betty Williamson. When I called her, we got a tradition where mama prays for me on Saturday night. So I can come and preach well on Sunday morning because my mama know Jesus. My mama been through some things. My mama know God is a way maker. My mama know he a bridge over troubled water. And my mama know her boy. I'm 47, but I'm still her boy. And she know how to pray a prayer covering over me. So on Saturdays, I look so forward to having her pray over me. And, and, and last night, I was driving down the highway while she was praying for me. And we both got filled with the Holy Ghost. We both crying. We both laughing. We both celebrating as mama prayed for me. And when you pray, when you get into the presence of God, he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you through worship. Because worship reminds you it's not about you. It's about God. You can't be filled with God if you're filled with you. 
So you got to worship even if you don't feel like it because he's worthy of the praise. So as I worship him, the atmosphere shifts. Not only around me, but something starts going on in me. And I just begin to acknowledge his glory and his holiness and his beauty, his power and his might. And you can't help but get filled up when you keep looking up. And when you keep looking up, God will fill you up to look up. He'll fill you up. Worship is important. Singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You want to get full of faith? Serve somebody else too through the Holy Spirit. The Dead Sea is dead because it has no outlets. All it does is take in so it's dead. But the Sea of Galilee is alive because it has outlets and it pours into the Jordan River going down into the Dead Sea. And a lot of us are spiritually dead because we don't serve anybody. He didn't save you just to sit. He saved you so you could serve him and serve his people with the gift that he gave you. And when you use your gift, you come alive. I don't care what the gift is. If it's mercy, you come alive. If it's giving, you come alive. If it's preaching, you come alive. If it's intercession, you come alive. If it's administration, you come alive. Whatever your gift is, when you use it, you come alive and you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, yesterday or a couple days ago, a couple of us went over to see one of our members who was in a nursing home waiting on God to provide a, a new liver. And as we went in to see this warrior of Christ, I went in thinking I was going to encourage her. But because the spirit of God was on her, Miss Maddie, when I went to see her, I ended up getting filled with the spirit as I went in trying to encourage her because she was lifting her hands in the wheelchair and she was just doing like this. And that made me forget about my problems and lift my hands because here's a lady fighting with a liver situation. Don't know about tomorrow, but knows who, who holds tomorrow. That rubbed off on me. And I said, hallelujah. And right there in the nursing home off now. The street, the Holy Ghost fell. And I love it when he falls. I love it when he falls. <laughs> so you got to get full of the word. You got to get full of the spirit. And then you got to get full of hope as I close. Because when you lose hope, you lose. Hebrews 11 one says that faith is the substance of things what? Hopeful. So if you're going to get full of faith, you got to have hope. Because when you lose hope, you lose. Romans 5, 5 says that hope does not disappoint. When we don't have hope, we're disappointed. But when we have hope, we know that we can have a positive expectation for the future because we know God is in control. So even when the storm is its darkest, hope knows the sun is still there and it's still shining. Hope knows it will see the sun again and feel its warmth again. I don't care what storm it is or what level the storm is. The sun is there. It's shining. I'm going to see it again and I'm going to feel its warmth. Hope knows that after the sifting, (laughs) there is a lifting. Hope knows that the dirt the devil uses to bury you is the same dirt that God uses to plant you. And there's a difference between being buried and being planted. It all depends on whose vantage point you're looking at it through. So the same dirt, God says, I'm going to use it to plant you. Your enemies are trying to bury you with it, but I'm using it to plant you because I got something in you that's got to come out through the dirt. Hope knows the fiery furnace the enemy threw you into to destroy you is the same fiery furnace God will use to break your bonds and set you free. That's our God. Hope knows. Hope knows. 
Hope knows my steps are ordered. My paths are straight. My days are written. My hairs are numbered. My sins are forgiven. My prayers are heard. My victory is sure. My home is in heaven. Hope knows these things. Hope knows my body is a temple. My hands are lifted. My eyes are focused. My mouth will praise. My feet will dance. My head is anointed. My family is blessed. My wife is shown up fine. Hope knows. Hope knows my soul is anchored. My cup is running over. My heart is fixed. My mind is made up. My father is God. My savior is Jesus. My help is the Holy Ghost. My sword is the word. My cross I'm carrying. My race I'm running. My fight I'm winning. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. My joy is full. My faith is strong. My calling is to preach. My role is pastor. My enemy is defeated and my storm is passing. It's passing. It's got to pass. Trouble don't last always and neither do storms. I got hope today. So both the spirit of fear And the spirit of faith will speak to you. But the questions are, which spirit will you listen to? Which one will fill you? And which one will you obey? 